You're listening to the Barry Egan Tapes on News Talk. I'm Barry Egan of the Sunday Independent and my guest today is Holly Carpenter. Hey Barry, how are you? Merry hey. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Tell me, let's, let's start, let's have a bit of a laugh. Take me back to the school in Sutton and you're in the library. What happened? Oh, um, well, I used to love kind of playing pranks and stuff in school and I was always getting in trouble for things but only kind of light-hearted things that I thought were funny but I suppose the teachers were getting a bit fed up with it so we kind of used to do pranks in sixth year and I snuck into the receptionist office and I was always in there because I'd forgotten my keys or I had to ring my mum or I just was looking for something and lost and found so I took the keys to the school because I saw them hanging there and there was a, a key to every single door in the school and then I told all of the year that we had an assembly in the library and I had to tell everyone, which I just randomly made up. So then the whole of the year went into the library. We were all crammed in and I just locked the door. And then we were all just like howling and our principal went into the courtyard and she was kind of up against the window being like, girls, get out, get out. And we closed the blinds and everything. It seems so innocent now, but then one girl started saying that she was really nervous and wanted to leave. And I was like, but if you leave, I have to open the door. So then I got I got in trouble for kind of making her feel nervous. So you locked the whole school into the library? Well, just all of six year, yes. There would have been about 120 of us. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you locked anyone in since? No, no, I just love playing pranks. I always play pranks with my dad and I always... You know, silly things like you, like I'll always be slyly filming him on my phone. And if you just say, oh, dad, there's a leak in the bathroom and he'll get really stressed and run upstairs and there's just like a vegetable leak on the floor. Like I, I love dad jokes, <laughs> but he will like instantly fly off the handle with stuff like that. And then he'll laugh. And what got you expelled from, from was it the Billy Barry school? Oh yeah, the stage school. That was when I was only about four. I just have always. What, can you, what, how, how can a four year old get expelled? I know it was a bit harsh, but apparently I just wasn't taking any instruction. All the, all the kids into, <laughs> I know. Into the Montessori and then at the end when she, Billy Barry herself expelled me, I turned around and told her she was wearing too much makeup. But then I went out and started crying to my granny, like my dad's mum. And she went in and gave out and I think we got our money back. But then I, used to have a real issue with watching the toy show because it was all the Billy Barry kids and I felt like I'd been really hard done by. I was like, that should be me. <laughs> How would you feel if someone told you you weren't too much makeup? Well, it happened to me a lot when I did Britain's <laughs> Next Top Model. Um, Elle McPherson used to say it to me a lot and she was a bit of a, a wagon. She was a tough cookie. Yeah. Just let's do a bit of a segue. You know, you had a, it seemed like a very happy childhood. Yeah. What? How did that set, go into from the age of 20? You, you had problems with anxiety and depression and, and mm. how did that happen? I don't know like I I think that when I was 19 I went to art college I went to NCAD and I worked really hard to get in there and I absolutely loved it and I was you know the college life where you're a little bit broke and you're kind of shopping vintage shops going to house parties and it was just a really free place to be and then suddenly when I started modelling and I won Miss Ireland everything kind of changed overnight and I was going to things like the Style Awards or glamorous launches and events in the Shelburne so it went from like college parties to this whole other world and I think that the minute that happened a lot of people changed how they looked at me or who, how, what they expected of me so I think I went through a bit of um, an identity crisis maybe where I felt like I'd lost myself a bit but I was expected to walk into a room of people at an event or get walk on a catwalk or a photo shoot and be really full of confidence when I didn't feel that inside so I felt like I was always kind of chasing my tail and being five different people like one person with my family different person with my friends a completely different person at work which I guess a lot of people can probably relate to but then I think that that's why maybe things like lockdown can be really difficult for people because you're just left with yourself and you have so much time to think and reflect and that's healthy but also we've probably all had a little bit too much time to do that this year so I think for me this year a lot of old feelings kind of came back up that I'd been burying because I'd been so busy rushing from A to B. When did you first start to bury your feelings? I would say probably early 20s yeah 
I think I just had a problem with expressing how I felt, which is weird because I could I could overshare right now and I could tell you anything and I could get upset and I don't find that uncomfortable. Like I'm open with people, but there's certain things I just really struggle with talking about. And then I felt like the only time I could really relax and tell people things is if I'd had a few drinks or, you know, that way. And that's when if you're not really in a good place and then you drink and then you're just like, you know, oversharing and crying about things that when you're sober the next day, you don't want to talk about. And that can that kind of was happening to me, too. So it was just like. I just found like myself really lost and I felt like I was kind of doing a load of different things but I didn't know what was making me happy. I didn't have a career plan because obviously modelling back then was lucrative but you'd kind of have time to do other things. Did your mum and dad ever say to you if it's making you so unhappy why don't you stop doing it? Yeah they did because I was the biggest kind of time where the biggest issue with modelling was when I got accepted to go on Britain's Next Top Model to film that over in London. And I was just obsessed with how much weight I could lose before I went on the show. So for me, like it was just this self-obsession. I was training twice a day with a personal trainer. It was under eating, drinking loads of coffee, just like obsessed with it. And then I went on the show and I was so skinny and I just wasn't happy with like I felt like when I hit a certain weight on the scales, then maybe I'd be happy. So I kind of like I lost my period for over a year. I thought that I was fat. The doctor was telling me I was underweight. I still didn't feel like I thought I, my mum my mum said that she thought I had body dysmorphia because I would look in the mirror and be crying that I thought I was huge and like but my clothes were hanging off me so it was like I couldn't see what was staring me back in the face but I think that like a lot of people who've struggled with any kind of eating disorder you're focusing more on the eating disorder and the food and the control than actually looking at the issues that are making you feel like that so then I have been to a few different kind of therapists and counsellors over the year which is a really kind of helpful useful thing like a lot of my friends have done it um, and I know, unfortunately, in this country, it's expensive and you have to go on waiting lists a lot of the time where you might not find a suitable one. But like a lot of them would always go back to my childhood and be like, why do you feel like you have to be the best or why do you feel like you're not good enough? And I could never figure out what it stemmed from because I did have such a happy childhood. Have you any idea now? No, I still don't know. I think because I don't know if I can really blame the modelling because maybe I felt like that before I was 20, but well, I don't you know. Put on antidepressants at 24, uh, at the age of 24. I kind of had been in the doctor a few times saying I felt really low. And at that stage, then I was just struggling to get out of bed. I had kind of pulled back from a lot of my friends and they asked me if I wanted to, but I still didn't want to. And then eventually I just said, yeah, I'll take anything now at this stage. That's going to make me feel a bit better. But they, I was put on such a high dose then that it was making me really groggy. So they actually couldn't, I couldn't really wake up in the mornings properly from them. And they also were, increased my appetite. So two things that would trigger me would be if I'm not up early and feeling like I'm up and ready for the day or if I've gained weight, it kind of really affects me too. So then the antidepressants were having like a counter effect. So it is hard to try and find the right dose. And I was glad that I wasn't just thrown a pack of antidepressants the first time I said I didn't feel great because I think people think that that happens a lot with doctors and maybe there's some doctors who do that. But um. Then I was on them and off them and on them and off them. And then in the first lockdown, I was just feeling so rattled because I had just moved into my house on my own and I didn't have a dog or a housemate or anything. Didn't know any of my neighbours and we all went into lockdown. And my dad has been sick since the start of this year. So he was really isolating. I couldn't see my parents, couldn't go home to my family home because it was outside of my radius so I was literally just in this house and like I I mean I made the most of it at the start I was kind of going this is great we all have a bit of a break I'm going to do some home workouts I'm going to you know do some content for Instagram and all that kind of stuff but then that didn't last too long before I started to get severe like cabin fever which is something I'm sure a lot of people can relate to if you're working from home you just feel like the walls are closing in on you a bit and um, how did you cope with that I mean I it's difficult enough for, for yeah for all of us yeah I mean I kind of went I used to go to Phoenix Park a lot in the mornings and just get out and get fresh air and that does really help even if it's a day you don't want to and Christmas is is, is kind of a difficult time f- sometimes for people because we feel we're forced to be happy yeah is, is that difficult 
make it more difficult for you sometimes? I think so. Growing up, I used to understand why sometimes on birthdays or Christmases I would feel a bit flat. And I think you do feel like there's this big hype and there's so many lights and the music and everyone's like, Merry Christmas. And then the day comes and you're expecting to feel something and you don't feel it. And then you're like, am I expecting that? Should I feel a bit more magical right now, a bit happier? Um, So there can be that pressure. But I think you just have to celebrate the little pockets of kind of joy around Christmas because there are so many small moments that I've kind of gotten better at being present. And even if I'm in town and I go into Butler's and get a hot chocolate and I'm walking down Grafton Street I used to just be so in my head and I'd be there'd be people around me rushing and I'd be kind of rushing and thinking about where am I going and ringing someone and now I'm able to just like sip my hot chocolate walk down the street look at the lights feel like the cold air and I know that that sounds so simple but for someone whose head used to be going a million miles an hour I actually really like enjoy those times where I can be calm because it can change in a heartbeat and I could be having a panic attack in a minute What would bring on a panic attack? (laughs) Um... I've never had a proper panic attack, but I definitely get overwhelmed quite easily. <laughs> so what would overwhelm you then? <laughs> this, no, I'm joking. Um, what are you thinking now? Uh, I think when I when I've when see I have really poor time management, so I try to write lists and be really structured. But then if I fall behind the schedule, and then my phone is ringing, and then I realise I didn't write something in my diary that I have on that day, and then you know, it's something else I have to do and there's another person I said I'd help out with something and if I've taken on too much is what I'm saying, then I just feel completely overwhelmed and it's like my heart is racing. So a lot of the times when I've talked to any kind of counsellor about that, they said that it's like when you're in fight or flight mode and I think that I was almost, I almost used to get a buzz off that feeling though because I used to love like rushing around, I'd go to a boxing class, there'd be really loud music, then I'd get changed, get showered and changed, go to an event, there'd be like drinks, you'd see people, you'd come home, you'd have something to do go out to an event or whatever. And so not just being young. Yeah, I guess so. And like, you know, that buzz. You regret it when you're 60. Yeah. Or my age even. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think that's why when we first went into lockdown, everything was so quiet. Like the amount of times I've tried to do yoga and I've just left or I've tried to do a meditation class and I've left because I had this issue with sitting still and I just wasn't able to do it. And maybe that is an age thing that you're just not able to. Yeah. Are you still into Tony Robbins? Yeah, I am. But I didn't really like his McGregor interview. So I've kind of gone off him since then. I wouldn't be a huge fan of him, but I still, yeah, I like Tony Robbins. I like his, his message. I went to one of his things in um, London and we were actually like, there was hundreds of people there. Like it was huge. And we were all there and he grabbed my hand in the crowd and he was like, he said something to me and I was just like, holy God. He, he said, you? keep your heart. And I was like, yeah, don't know what <laughs> you mean, but yeah. But I just think he's so hot. Like, for his age. Well, like young Tony Robbins, really good looking. But um, yeah, I do like that. But then also there is that kind of side of things where it is a huge business and there's a lot of money to be made and stuff and they're always going for the hard sale. Um, But... Could you see yourself as the female Tony Robbins? No. <laughs> Keep your Although, which is and so, give me 10 grand. Yeah, and give me 10 grand <laughs> for this piece of advice. But no, it's weird because a lot of girls, like my Instagram following would be about 74% female. Um, and a so lot are you of them, like the, the guru to all these girls? Well, it's weird. I get a lot of messages asking for advice and it's usually relationship advice, which is funny. But I mean, people just don't like girls will message me going, oh, my boyfriend just dumped me. I don't know what to do. And I know that I kind of have been there with loads of different things. So it's kind of just about reassuring them everything's going to be OK. Because girls message me and they're like, I'm 26 and all my boy- friends have boyfriends and my friend just got engaged. And I'm like, it's grand. I'm 29. Like you've loads of time. Like I know people in their 30s or 40s who haven't met anyone yet. Like I... I'm such a romantic heart, I think. Like, I always believe in fairy tales, love, romance, that, like, I've never really panicked about it, even when I was single for a while, because I always feel like someone's around the corner. Um, And, like, my dad and my mum have such a gorgeous story that, like, they were out in a pub 
and you know obviously my mum's mum is Terry Keane and her column used to be in the middle section of the paper so my mum walked up to my dad in the pub and he was reading the paper and she said excuse me can I get the middle section of your paper and he said yeah can I get you a drink and then three weeks later they were engaged and I'm just like they're married over 30 years now mad about each other best friends in France living the dream and like that's just amazing like what what if she hadn't gone to the pub that night or if she hadn't asked him for the paper like I love those kind of moments where it's just a small thing that changes your life What are your memories of Terry? Like she was a very strong woman Yeah she did was you, amazing Did you feel you, you got some of her strength? Yeah my mum says that me and Terry are very like um, which I love and I kind of I was only 16 when Terry died she was so young she's only 69 so I feel like I didn't get to know her as an adult because I was still so young at 16 but I was always so proud of her and like I used to love when my friends in school, their grannies were knitting them scarves and being really cute. And Terry was just like glam, you know, in the papers, dripping in diamonds, curly blow dry, glass of Prosecco. Like she was just so iconic in that way. And like I just loved her. She just spoke her mind. And I think she got a lot of, she got a kind of a hard time from people for maybe being a bit ahead of her time in that way I still think back then like women weren't really supposed to be that outspoken even though it wasn't that long ago Were you aware of the connection with Charlie Hawley? Growing up I didn't know about it but I remember after Terry did The Late Late we all had to like flee to Kerry <laughs> so <laughs> I remember mum like frantically packing a bag of all my toys and my clothes and then we all just jumped in the car we drove down to Kerry and there was actually like a photographer driving after us so I didn't know what was going on but my mum probably just made something up um, and Terry was just kind of like oh god <laughs> <laughs> at your old age of 29 yeah. what, what wisdoms have you learned about it at age at life I think I mean I feel like I'm learning every day but I think that you just have to realise how fast time goes by and I think you just don't realise that at the time and how little time you have with certain people and just that it's actually and you know this whole thing of be kind I'm not going to start spouting like quotes from Instagram but I do think that it, giving someone your time or doing something small for someone or being there for people is more than anything else. I think definitely I was so into like material things when I was in my early 20s and mad nights out and stuff. But now just small things like, you know, being with friends and having tea and stuff just means so much more to me. doesn't mean I don't still love crazy night out, like don't get me wrong. But yeah, I think I've just appreciated the slower pace of life since lockdown has kind of forced me to. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, Holly, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> The Barry Egan Tapes on News Talk.